0: To me, I would compare it most to a symphony, uh, when you're actually running the countdown and you have all of your disciplines, Um, you know, everybody has the role, and I always say there's not one more person more important than the other person that room, and no one should feel more important than anyone else. We just all have different functions and different perspectives and responsibilities. Hi and
1: welcome to Deep Leadership. I'm your host, John Rennie. Well, I hope all is well with you today. It is another beautiful day here in the great state of Maine where I'm recording and broadcasting from a cabin in the woods. One of the things I've noticed here is a complete lack of light pollution. At night, you can look up and see millions of stars, which is beautiful and inspiring. If you hadn't have a chance to get away from the city and look up in the night sky in a while, I highly recommend it. I'll share more updates on future episodes. As a reminder, Deep Leadership is brought to you this month by our sponsors, Ignite Management Services and Liberty Strength. These sponsors help me bring these shows to you each and every week, so I encourage you to click on their links below and check them out. Also, I want to encourage you to join us on our growing YouTube channel. Search for Deep Leadership on YouTube for videos of all my interviews and exclusive content. Well, that is it. Today we're going to be talking about teaching the hard-fought lessons of the past to new generations of employees. And my guest is Michael Cianelli. Mike is the head of NASA's Apollo Challenger Columbia lessons learned program he keeps the lessons from failed space missions alive so that current and future space workers won't repeat those mistakes he also works with other companies to help them understand the root causes of nasa failures so they can avoid them in their business this was a fascinating conversation with someone who has spent his life in the nasa space community i know you'll enjoy it as much as i did so are you ready to dive in let's get started Welcome to the Deep Leadership Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Michael Cinelli. Mike leads NASA's Apollo Challenger Columbia Lessons Learned Program, directing and developing a wide array of activities to share the agency's lessons learned to help powerfully influence NASA's mission success. Previously, Mike served as the NASA test director for the Space Shuttle Program, where he led the entire launch team through Space Shuttle Launch Countdown activities and was responsible for the processing oversight of the Space Shuttle Orbiters and Ground Support Systems. And I am excited to have him, on the, have him on the show to talk about the idea of teaching hard-fought lessons of the past to new generations of employees.
0: So Mike, welcome to the show. John, thank you so much for the invitation. I'm excited to be here and excited to meet your audience.
1: It's great to have you on the show. You're our first uh, NASA guest, so uh, that, that's uh, pretty exciting. So I wanted to just uh, start off, tell us about your career path and how a childhood dream to launch rockets led you to what you do today.
0: John, I'm just one of those lucky lucky guys. (laughs) I really do. And I I grew up wanting nothing else except for launch rockets. I don't know where it came from, but it was just from the earliest days I remember, my coach, I remember, wanted to launch rockets. So my whole life was geared towards that direction. And uh, man, I worked hard as I could, did everything I could to get there, and, uh, everything through high school and college, and uh, ended up at the Kennedy Space Center. That was my goal to, to work there, and uh, started in 1996, so I'm very excited to start my 27th year. I think it is now uh, launching rockets and working with a bunch of amazing people, so it's been an exciting journey. I just, you know, you pinch yourself, you can't believe you get to do what you love every day, uh, and through that process, I've met all kinds of interesting jobs. Um, started on the engineering world and, and simulation world, uh, went over the operations world, and then now I've found myself in the third leg of the stool, which is the safety world. Um, so I kind of see it from all different perspectives, um, how we do this sort of thing. And uh, again, I'm just so thankful to to do what I do, and it's an honor to, to launch rockets.
1: <laughs> Absolutely, for sure. Yeah, you you truly are a rocket scientist. <laughs> I love it. Um, what what were some of the le- leadership lessons you've learned throughout your long journey with uh, with NASA? What are some things you observed and some things about leadership that you learned, maybe even about
0: yourself through this time? Well, there's so many, you know, and, and some of you learned, Johnny, you appreciate this, so many lessons you'll learn, although maybe you didn't realize it. It's like a class you'll take, right? There's, there's those experiences, those moments you have that you're in a certain situation in the kind of makes you and and you learn something uh, deep down inside based on an experience and you know lots of different things so watching other folks and leaders in action would you watch leaders um, that you find traits that you emulate um, and you want to become like them and it pulls out of you as well Uh, you know i I think one of the greatest traits i've seen from leaders is um, authenticity you know leaders that really walk walk they are who they are Um, there's no pretense about who they are, there's no, um, or around them. They're just, they love to work. They love to do their very best. They love to help people. Uh, they want to bring the best out of other people and they really love to see people become their fullest potential. Um, and that's something I've seen, um, throughout my career and, you know, you know, very highly accomplished people, but you'd never know it. You know, uh, times I've seen folks that the bigger the resume is, the more impressive the resume is the more it's hard to believe they've done all this because they don't have the persona that you would guess that mm-hmm. they Introduce your next for a buddy. Uh, but they truly, um, they truly come to the table uh, having those t- talents and traits and want to pull the best out of you. And, and I think it's a quest of never want to stop learning and doing better and, and tackling new things. Um, you know, in much like yourself and all your different endeavors, um, you know, I'm excited. You, you, you try something in the engineering world, and you kind of get sort of comfortable. You never get 100% right you're always learning, but, and then you want to tackle something different. So with operations, and I learned there's so much more to learn from a different perspective. And that's a great leadership lesson I learned. You know, I, I saw launching rockets or engineering. You know, what, what are the ops folks doing? I don't know. Well, I became one of those ops folks. And then learn, you know, how do you manage the clock and how do you manage the operations point? Very different perspective. Um, And I gained a great deal of of, of understanding and maybe got better, hopefully. And then went on again from the safety perspective. And and I think for me, watching, you know, an operation or watching an operation, so to speak, from different perspectives, different genres, different lenses has helped me truly, hopefully sharpen my leadership skills so I can truly appreciate the challenges other people face, seeing things from different directions. And Hopefully, I can be a better person, helping them, either staying out of their way or being a greater asset to them to help them do their job better. So, so those are a few, just a few of the tricks I've learned over the years. Mm, yeah, I love the fact you started with authenticity, and I love the fact that you
1: have met so many people with these fat resumes that you would never know. You know, and I, I love people like that when you 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 figure out that they've wait a second, you did, you're, you're what? <laughs> I love people like that. They sort of surprise you with, you find out something about their background and they don't lead with it. They just, they treat people like humans. They treat people with respect and you never know they have this, you know, storied past and story history. I, I love, I love meeting people
0: like that. But you always have to pull it out of them. You must have, yeah. to, have to tell them that, you know, um, I, I've met a lot of the Apollo folks, Apollo generation yeah. and you know, we kind of say the World War II generation was our greatest generation. Well, our Apollo generation was certainly one of our greatest generations. And, you know, I, I talk to those folks a lot about their 80s and 90s now. And I just try to glean every little nugget of knowledge I can from these folks. And, I, you know, one of the hardest things that I yet cannot succeed in doing is getting them to use the word I. Everything is, we did this, we accomplished this, our challenge was this. And it is so hard to get them to say the word I. And to try, you know, what you do, and it comes back to, we accomplish this. And those are the lessons, John. I see that impact me the most is really seeing people I, I admire, like you said, doing that. They, they've they been there, done that, accomplished great things, but they refuse to have a spotlight just focused on sun huddles, and they pull it back into a wider aperture, and they include everybody else around to help accomplish that mission. And that's just, um, that's tremendously impressive to me. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I have to
1: ask you this and because it's a unique chance to ask someone like you this question, but what's it like leading a launch countdown for the space shuttle? I mean, I grew up with the space shuttle program. Uh, and so it's just, it's, it's wild that you were in that role. What's it like from an emotional standpoint and a leadership point of view?
0: It's incredible. Um, it's incredible. (laughs) It's electric. It's one of those feelings that's it's one of the most intense environments, and one of the most fun environments at the same exact time. It, it's, it's. I always like to walk on a high wire act, but it might be something similar. It is just exciting. It's, um, you, you know, and you're walking the edge of the envelope. You know, you've got a, a vehicle that weighs say, four and a half million pounds. Uh, it's loaded with fuel that has the exposed the potential of a atomic bomb. Um, you've got your friends and colleagues and American heroes sitting on top of it. Uh, you got all your coworkers around it. Um, and you got your lodge working with you and it's, it's incredible. And in, you know, it, it feels kind of like I would have i a lot of music professional, but to me, I would compare it most to a symphony, uh, when you're actually running the countdown and you have all of your disciplines. Um, you know, everybody has the role. And I always say there's not one more person more important than the other person that we um, mm-hmm. And no one should feel more important than anyone else. We just all have different functions and different perspectives and responsibilities. Uh, but, you know, like an orchestra, would have the wood awareness and you have all different sections. Uh, you know, uh, of your orchestra, we have the same thing. We have different disciplines, different systems, different perspectives. And, um, you know, my role, you kind of up there, you try to help guide, guide amazing, talented folks and, and help them to achieve their excellence. And when it works, the music is so beautiful. Um, it just feels so good. and and then you get to the launch, and that's uh, you know, a lot of sweaty palms, but it is so cool. It is one of the coolest things you could do.
1: One of the things I see when I see rocket launches and I see the reaction of the you know the launch crew, you know, you like you said, they're all on edge until you know certain evolutions take place where they know it's a safer condition and you see the cheering and the emotion of, of everyone, because they, you know that you've done something difficult and all, like you said, a symphony, you've, you've played the perfect symphony, you know, and I think there's an emotional reaction. That, that I think is, is, is something that I don't think, you know, even that is in my, my fifties, I, I, I still love that, love to see the excitement in the, you know, the launch crew when that, when that, you know, happens, when they, recognize that they've accomplished something very
0: significant it's incredible and you know, the more you know the more i learned over the years i've uh, learned how this works the more amazed i become um mm. you know the military probably could say the same thing that it just you're more amazed on the the professionalism of the crews the talent the technology the the brilliance uh, and the passion and, and you just become more in awe of how this whole thing works and and how you can do these types of things and it truly is exciting. Um, you know, you you truly never relax. Um, I can be honest with you until the crew gets home, uh, because at the back of your mind, you you you're always constantly running scenarios of contingencies. Uh, I did a lot of work with contingency planning and, and operations, and you're constantly thinking of what's the next cellular mode, what could happen next. And so, oh, I can say this as a kid and a younger person, I was much more relaxed during launches. You would watch it and you would applaud and you would just cheer and be excited. Um, I still do that, but um, I think my pulse probably stays a little higher and my brain's certainly spinning, thinking of, you know, next milestone, next milestone, mission objective, safety, the crew, get them home. But when they do get home and they step off the vehicle, I think that's kind of when you just, you take that relax, <laughs> and probably go to sleep for a couple of days. <laughs> yeah.
1: You know, it's funny. We talked about earlier before we got on the program about the similarities between a spacecraft and a submarine. You know, you're operating in an, env- an environment where the everything outside the vessel can kill you and it wants to kill you, you know. And so it's it's life support systems, it's um it's, you know, methods to get home in an emergency, it's it's all those contingency plans and um it, and it's like you said you don't truly take a breath uh, uh that that you know, breathe again until the, until the crew returns home. And I felt the same way when we went on deployment, anything could go wrong. I mean, until we got safely back to the harbor, we were tied up against the pier. And I'm sure, you know, my, my captain, that was the time we took a deep breath and said, huh, all right, I got, I got everybody home safe. You know, and we would, we'd be, we'd be deployed for a hundred days at a time. So everything had to be, you know, you know, it's everything from you know, toilet paper to coffee to, you know, the reactor to everything had to be running perfectly. So it was a massive technological challenge, but yet there's people inside too. You know, like you're like, you know, you have your crew on a, on the, on the shuttle. It's, you've got
0: people and you got this massive amount of technology around it. It's incredible, isn't it? It's absolutely amazing. And, and you, like you said, you realize that it's, you realize the task you're undertaking. And I'm sure much like you said, the captain. Into the teams that support him, um, you realize it's a pretty ambitious mission, right? 100 days under the ocean—it's incredible—and you're taking everything with you. It's like a—it's like a and You can't stop at a grocery store along the way. You're—you know—everything that's in the truck, you're going with it, and it's got to keep you alive, function, and and keep your mission uh, successful for an extended duration. And you said perfectly, John. A tremendously hostile environment um yeah you know deep down in the ocean we don't do very well without support systems and up in space it's much the same so um there's a lot of things you have to do right and um and a lot of things have to go right but uh and that's the major focus right to, to do yeah. it correctly um but when you pull it off and you do it for the nation either are being the military or for the civilian space program um is a tremendous feeling um, to have the honor to let people have you do that as your responsibility, to earn, and then actually accomplish in a mission. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, so tell us about this program you're in now. It's the
1: it's NASA's Apollo Challenger Columbia Lessons Learned Program. And what
0: was your vision when you created the program?
1: Yeah,
0: I'm super excited about this. Thank you. And you know, it's interesting. My whole career was a launch guy, right? Processing rockets, launching rockets, landing rockets, and, and that type of thing. And after the space shuttle program was retired in 2011, um, I had a, a, a duty to, um, an administrator asked me to help build a, the nation's memorial to our fallen cruise of Challenger in Columbia. So we built a, a national memorial called Forever to Remember. And after going through that process, working with families and going through the whole process, it, it, just, it came to me um, organically over time of that, you know, we're, we're memorialized, we're remembering But, but I was wondering, are we truly, truly reflecting upon the lessons, you know, why these things happen beyond the technical cause, but deep down, what were the really true causes of this? And are we effectively sharing them as best we can? So that's where this program came forward and, uh, you know, really, really the mission and the objective of of it is to really, again, you know, I, I say, looking through the lens of history to focus on the future. And to look at these events accurately, honestly, uh, it's not easy. Uh, it's very hard. Uh, it's very difficult to look back at times that um, we lost friends and colleagues uh, and heroes, mistakes that you made. Uh, but I think through that reflection and being very honest and transparent and forward, uh, hey, here's how we made our missteps. Um, because and it's not, it's not easy to do that, but I think it's unbelievably important in you know, a responsibility to do that so we can share those with others. The others through hearing of our stories, uh, could perhaps look at their what they're doing today and say, boy, that sounds that meeting sounds similar. I just had a meeting yesterday. Boy, it sounds similar to Apollo or sounds similar to Challenger Columbia. Yeah, and here's what NASA did brighter. Maybe NASA could have done better. And let me learn from that. Maybe we can change course and change the outcome to a much more positive one. So that's what that's the purpose of it uh, that's what fuels my passion for it. and you know if we can help share these difficult stories and if they can help people um around america and our allies around the world um that's just one of the greatest feelings so that's that's what i've been doing as up late we'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors
1: This episode is brought to you by Ignite Management Services. Ignite is led by Mike Watson, who you might remember from episode 137. Mike and his team believe that everything starts with leadership, whether it's strategy execution or cultural transformation, it's the role of the leader to create the conditions for their people to succeed. The team at Ignite can help you develop critical habits to enhance your leadership capability and transform your business. Ignite Management is now offering the resilient leadership assessment tool. This is an online questionnaire designed to assess and guide leadership development, coaching, and team building. It provides leaders an opportunity to gain insights into their leadership strengths and development needs. After taking this assessment, you will receive a custom detailed report that provides practical and actionable recommendations to enhance your effectiveness. I have taken this assessment myself and found it to be extremely valuable in helping me make changes to my leadership approach. Right now, Ignite is offering 15% off the price of this tool to the deep leadership audience. Go to ignitemanagement.ca and enter the code START15 at checkout to get started today. This episode is brought to you by Jeremy Klebinger at Liberty Strength. As a high-performing leader, you know that leadership isn't about telling people what to do. It's about leading by example. And for most people, the one area that they are lacking when it comes to leading by example is their health and fitness. By improving your health and fitness, every other area of your life improves, Your energy skyrockets, your sleep improves, your confidence increases, and more. But how can you get and stay fit as a busy leader? Well, you do what you've always done. You hire the best people for the job. Don't struggle on your own. Put liberty strength in your corner. Jeremy and his team will work with you to take your physique, mindset, nutritional habits, and more to the next level with his step-by-step all-inclusive coaching program. I've worked with Liberty Strength for the past two years, and I'm in the best shape of my life, and I'm still hitting strength personal records at 56 years old. If you want to step up your game, reach out to Jeremy at libertystrengthtx.com to find out more and get your initial consultation schedule with him today. Because a lot of times you're having younger employees coming into NASA and they may not have the institutional memory of the, the events that happened. Like even yourself, you you don't have the institutional memory of the Apollo uh, challenges, right? But um, but but it's, so it's, that's why I think it's important to 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 bring out those lessons and make sure that they're they're alive for the newer people coming on board that don't have that institutional memory that um, that that you know like the older employees
0: have is to make sure those lessons are not not lost on the new employees. 100%, John, uh, and, and much much to stick in the military. And I, you know, One of my taglines for my program, it's uh, a Winston Churchill and others have said it as well, quote, uh, those who fail to learn from history are doomed to repeat it. And, and that's so true. Everyone from a teenager can, can talk about that up to a, um, a, a military general, right? So um, if we don't truly learn from our past, um, the good and the bad, and then try to really take that to heart and then build that into our future, Uh, it's so powerful. Um, There's so much wisdom built up over millennia that we can rely upon. Um, And in the military world, uh, there's so many right military interventions and actions and generals and great people. And you can draw upon that in our experience, too. um, And that's what we're trying to do is is, you know, capture all this knowledge, protect it and share it. Um, you know, we got a, a burgeoning commercial crew, um, commercial launch industry that's huge. Um, it's growing very rapidly. We're partnering with it in many ways. And even beyond, we kicked the program way up, like, well beyond the space world, which is really a whole other exciting topic. Um, you know, again, with the emphasis of all these things, if we can help other folks, um, there's no greater thing you can do.
1: Yeah, yeah. As we talked earlier, as a submariner, we are all trained in a program called Subsafe, and it was based on the loss of uh, the scorpion thresher. And, uh, and so even like, I didn't have the institutional memory of the loss of those submarines. I was too young, but, um, but every submariner now goes through and is trained formally in all these programs, which are, which are the hard fought lessons of, of the early nuclear submarines. And, uh, you know, and for 50 years we haven't lost a, a single nuclear submarine uh, because of those lessons and how they were taught. So I think, you know, I'm very sensitive to this particular subject because it, it meant a lot to what I did for a living and um, it, that we made sure that we institutionalized this this um, knowledge from the loss of these crews to make sure it never happened again. And in and, and 50 years, it's, it's worked, you know? And so I think it's really
0: critical what you're doing. Well, thank you. I appreciate that much. It's allowed to do that. And every time we like, get a chance to speak to the audience, I I truly feel humbled and honored to be able to do that because you don't know what information you're going to share that's going to hopefully help someone save the day in their world. Hmm. So, how how do you actually share these lessons
1: that that are learned through NASA? So, give us a feeling for how how you're doing the
0: the 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 sharing of this knowledge. Yeah, it's multi multi vector approach. It really is, and I um, you know it's interesting. I do everything from in person speaking events, and I'll travel. Um, around the country, speak in person uh, a lot of virtual. So do a lot of virtual presentations and speeches and, and conversations with folks. Um, and those are formal presentations. Uh, sometimes I'll actually go into staff meetings. People invite me and say, "Can you can you get the conversation started?" At our everything from a uh, you know a, a small branch meeting to a corporate boardroom? room um, up there at all from CEO level all the way down, um, and, and try to get the conversation started um, and get them talking openly, honestly. Uh, worked with with film documentary companies, television programs, uh, podcasts, which is really uh, tremendously like yours today, uh, John. And I appreciate that so much. You know, the podcast environment is huge, and uh, print books. We have a few book authors we've worked with. So really, it's it's a lot of answers to that. But you know, I found there's just in today's world with our technology and media capabilities expanding, there's just so many different methods and vehicles to reach people. So um, I'm always, always excited when someone says, Hey, I heard you on a podcast or I saw you on this TV show and you know, would you be willing to collaborate and can we talk further? Um, mm-hmm. and just gets the word out, which we really want to do. We want to get the word out, um, to millions. Um, and, and to really, because for so many more people we're we can still help and so share this knowledge world, the really cool part about this program too, like an Aaron is the translator with it. Yeah. um, you know, i Talk about spacecraft and rockets, but I always say it's, it could be you know rockets or race cars or spaceships and skateboards. It doesn't make a difference. Um, after the first you know thirty seconds, a couple of minutes of the conversation, I'll be talking to folks in all different industries: oil and gas, medical, um, financial, banking, and all of a sudden the heads start nodding. Yeah, and I and I love it because we're you know we're all connecting. We all deal with very similar things: the military. John, your background and, and also at manufacturing, what you do, um, there's so many. We have so many more similarities than differences. You know, maybe we launch and manufacture rockets, but you manufacture critical parts for your people. And so once we kind of, you know, get past some of the little differences, um, you find that there's this huge volume of connectedness and things we can share and help each other. Um, so really, there's not one sector of of The economy that I have not—we haven't had a great connection with yet mm-hmm. um, across the U.S. And I work with sports teams, professional and collegiate sports teams, and everything. Um, it's gone the gamut. I can tell you. Now we're also working with our international partners. So um, again, I'm always excited to just find those connections um, between. You wouldn't think it's inherently right. You know, NASA's talking to who? But honestly, um, there's a role and a connection between all of us.
1: Yeah, that's great. That's fantastic. I had no idea this existed till I, you know, till I we hooked up and and I heard about what you did. I think it's it's amazing, and I think it's really powerful because uh, I think it really is helpful. And it's the idea of learning the lessons of the past to make sure. And even you know, it's funny because we as organizations, like like the, the submarine force, they learned from lessons of their past and they made they and they fixed it going forward, but. Wouldn't it be better if we learned lessons from other people who had failures and and implemented those changes before they ever happened in our organizations? You know, we don't need we don't need to experience those disasters
0: to be able to learn the lessons from other other industries that have had those problems. Well, it, it perfectly you perfectly said it, John. I mean, you know, when you look back at in you know, our space program, right? We looked, and now that with you know the Soviet Union falling, right, where there's more information flow, we've learned so many things that they dealt with back even in the sixties. That would have been tremendously helpful for us to know. Things that we dealt with, probably for them to know. Now you see it with the commercial world and all different genres. And, you know, I always say a, an operating room and a firing room are so similar. Mm. You know, and you actually think that, but it, it, it's unbelievably close, the connection between how the operation of a, of a medical team in a very high-pressure environment works with a launch team. Um, and so when he kind of, like I said, peeled back the onion a little bit, realized we're all kind of similar and he starts sharing things. Well, heck, maybe there's things we can help those folks. Um, and, and those folks can help us. And, and it really is, uh, it's pretty inspiring to think about it that way.
1: Yeah, it really is. It really is. So I wanted to take you back, uh, to 2003, you know, when we lost the, the Columbia shuttle, what was it like? participating in that recovery of the of Columbia and the crew after that accident. i just curious to know, like, like what was the team dynamics like? What, what were some leadership lessons you took away from that? What were the emotions that were going through at the time? Because I think it's it's someplace, it was a moment in history that you were a part of. And I think it's just, I'm just curious to know what it was like to be part of that.
0: Well, yeah, it was fired. Um, you know, it's interesting. We, um, this year actually is our 20th year from the loss of Columbia. Um, and I actually just returned back from up North. I was speaking at a, a series of workshops for the 20th anniversary of Columbia and talking the lessons learned. So, so our focus is certainly focus on Columbia recently. You know, it was a very, um, surreal time and, and perhaps, um, you know, when I've talked to some folks that have military backgrounds, um, of course we weren't in the combat situation, but I think, in talking to them, John, um, there seemed to be a lot of similarities of what we did. You know, we, we had the launch of Columbia. I worked on Columbia. I, I spent so many hours, almost lived that word Columbia working in Columbia for so many years. And I was on the launch team, uh, for STS 107, the last mission. And then, um, you know, we lost our, we lost our crew. Uh, when we lost Columbia and very shortly thereafter, I found myself in the middle of Texas and, um, being asked to uh, to to lead a helicopter team and search and um, recovery of Columbia and the crew. Um, um, it was a surreal environment. You know, it was very difficult because you, you know, part of you is the engineer and you're trying to understand technically, left brain, what's going on and yeah. how things happen, right? Then uh, you got the right brain and you realize... Uh, what you're doing you know, you're 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 bringing the spaceship you love home hearts and, and you're you're helping um recover the crew right so you're you're doing a lot of very difficult things if you're realizing the loss so there's a lot of emotions surrounding it you're trying to focus on the mission because your mission is to, to get all of Columbia home because you want to find what what wrong you want to fix it and you want to make sure it never happens again so you you're you're unbelievably committed to doing that. Uh, Columbia needs to go home so you're not gonna stop until every piece of Columbia's back home. So again, you're mission driven, but then you got your straw about all that emotional content around it. Uh, and you're surrounded by amazing people and we had um, you know this was the largest ground search in American history. So we had 25,000 people come together. Oh my um, yeah, and both of those weren't Nexa. We had um, federal, state, local county, um, officials, towns officials, and so many citizens that would come forward and help. So, you had this massive effort to you know, do something that's never been done before and on the largest scale ever. And you try to navigate through the emotions, through the technical, and you find yourself in a very surreal environment. Um, and it's something that I feel so honored to have been able to be a part of this amazing team to go do this. Um, I, I never want to do it again. Uh, I'm in passion to make sure everybody is safe as they can so nobody ever has to do it again. Uh, I don't want anybody to experience what we did, um, but I'm just so thankful for the amazing people and, and a lot of soldiers, military, really others, John, uh, just everyday Americans that came out and uh, I could tell you stories I'd start tearing up because it shows the true essence of what the American people are all about when the chips are down, what they do and how they rise up to help. Um, and it was just absolutely inspiring to, to meet so many of these again. And some of these were high ranking officials, and some of them were just um, folks living their life, you know, 20 miles from the nearest small town. And But nonetheless, they're all equal pressing, and, and we can't thank them enough for what they did for us.
1: And I understand Columbia is uh, is is in Florida now, so you have all the play, all the pieces, all the recovery, and it's and it's maintained as part of this legacy to remember and also to learn. Right?
0: Is that correct? Right. So we have um, so we have two two parts of it. We have um, we have the nation's memorial, which everyone's welcome to come see at the Kennedy Space Center Visitor Complex. That's called Forever Remember. Uh, there's a piece of Columbia on uh, display, and there's also a piece of Challenger. Uh, the only no place in the world. You can come and see uh, personal artifacts from each of the crew members from both flights, um, the vehicles themselves, and learn uh, the, um, the history of what happened. And then behind the gates, Kennedy Space Center uh, oversees something called Columbia Row, and we actually have all nearly 86,000 pieces that came back of Columbia. And what we do there is really effectively teach the lessons we really get deep into it in a very honest frank and sometimes difficult conversation but we get into the lessons learned and talk about that and that's everyone from the new you know new kid on the block engineer that just came on board to our administrator to senior uh, government officials um uh, elected officials and everybody in between and you really try to force those lessons to them so again one's the memorial And we do try to do a tremendous amount of learning. And of course, you know, the vast majority of the country, the world can't come here and see that in these secure facilities. So my, uh, what I tried to do is take through this ACCLP program is to take the lessons out and take Columbia, if you will, with me on the road. And and her and I work together along with the crew and really share share these lessons in a very intimate way uh, with folks that may not be able to see the hardware that they can sure hopefully gain from hearing the stories and learning the lessons going forward with what they do. Mm, powerful. Powerful. Mike, what what final message would you like to leave with our listeners today? Uh, well John, I you know I can't thank enough for the opportunity to share this. I appreciate that. And what I'd like everyone really to know is, you know, what I do with the Apollo Challenge at Columbia Lessons Mark Program, which is a collaborative program. Uh, this is this NASA feels so important to share these um, lessons with the world that I really invite people to to reach out to us. Uh, we stand ready to work together and, and as we discussed before, uh, there's lots of ways we can do that. There's ways we can do that through through films, through television, through podcasting, through speaking arrangements, uh, through print and other methods. And, and I really invite them to reach out, um, discuss ways that we could probably you know, perhaps help them and sharing this knowledge, um, tailoring it to perhaps what they do. And uh, if we can be of service to them to, to help keep their people safe and to increase their mission success, um, then that's something we're very much interested in doing. So that's what I want them to know. Please, we're, we're collaborative, reach out. And if we can find a way to work together, then I'm all in. That sounds good. How can
1: our listeners find out more about you and learn more about this uh, important program?
0: Well, probably the best way. There's a couple of things, and I think you might be having on your on your show page on um, links to shows. I appreciate you putting those up for me, John. And you know, we have a great video um, that about 27 of that video it explains the program in pretty good detail and explains what we do, why we do it, and, and how we do it. Um, there's also a, a LinkedIn in um, where you can reach out to me personally and, and share your thoughts and you can discuss ways of discussing it further in detail. And then we also have a great uh, program website that has a tremendous amount of resources. Um, The website's not complete yet, but it's got a lot on it already. And it's a great resource for learning and lessons. And there's a a huge media section um, that also has a lot of content for learning. And you can also reach out through me through the website. So really, LinkedIn, the website, directly to me. And then the video is a great way to learn about what we do. Fantastic. We're going to go ahead and put
1: links in the show notes for those resources. And uh, Mike, I really appreciate you coming on the show. Listeners, you know, we've got to learn these lessons from the past and we don't want them to repeat. And don't go through disasters on your own. Learn from uh, what happened in NASA and the lessons they learned, the uh, things that they fixed. Um, it's a great, great way to prevent them from happening in your uh, your business. Your, if you're leading a hospital crew, if you're leading a, a fire brigade, you're leading a police department you're going to learn lessons from from what NASA has done and uh this effort they're making to to learn from their past. So I highly encourage you to check out these resources that Mike has uh given us and uh and reach out to Mike and see if you if if he can learn more from him and you want to have him out to your organization, he's willing to do it and you can learn from uh from his uh experiences with NASA. So Mike, I really appreciate you coming on the show and sharing this really unique perspective uh, on NASA that we rarely get to hear. So, thanks for coming on the show
0: and thanks for sharing all this information. John, thank you so much for the time to to share some of these thoughts and ideas. I really appreciate that greatly. And thanks to your audience for taking the time to listen uh, to what we have to share and hopefully can be of help and service to them. Absolutely. Thanks again. Thank you, sir.
1: For more information and updates, please visit our website at www.deepleadershippodcast.com or johnsrenny.com. Until next time, take care. ElectroCast. Transform your influence. ElectroCast. Are you passionate about saving the planet for future generations? Do you want to learn how to do it? If yes, then you need to tune in to the Nature Back podcast. It's a talk show covering the changing world around us. From renewable energy, sustainable agriculture, circular economy, to ESG and social innovation... Don't miss this opportunity to discover how you can join the movement and make a difference. Subscribe to the Nature Back podcast today on your favorite platform and get ready to be amazed.